Hey y'all, this is Ledge, and before we get to this episode, I want to tell you a quick story. I remember when we were contacted by one of the top video fitness apps in the United States, and they were doing a total rebuild, and they wanted to do that with our engineers. So we set that up, and we've been at it for two years with 10 different team members in every possible skill set from design to product management to scrum master to development. And it's been a really exciting journey where we are completely in charge of staffing that entire team for them. That's not a common scenario, but it just gives you an idea of the reach that we can bring to the table, you know, time and time again for mobile apps and for web apps and for design. And I think that's really one of the strengths of the huge bench of talent that we bring to the table. Now for our episode. This is the Frontier Podcast powered by Gun.io, the engineer's choice for engineering talent. If you like what you hear, rate, review, and subscribe, and follow us on Twitter at The Frontier Pod. Hey, Brody, man. It's good to have you on. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Ledge. So uh, maybe give a little background story, if you don't mind, of yourself and how you, how you got here and the work you guys are doing at Divi. Yeah. Um, so I'm a, a marketer by trade. Um, I uh, actually, back in college, I had a, a project. It was a part of our PR curriculum. We had to build a website. You know, this was back in probably 97, 98, mm-hmm. uh, and had to build a website and, you know, from scratch. I mean, this was just basic HTML. And, um, you know, I hope it, you had a blink tag. I mean, it was very remedial, um, you know, as we're, as we're pretty much everything with the web back then. But, um, you know, honestly, the project itself was kind of mind boggling to me because, um, you know, it was basically framed with this concept of, okay, you're going to put something out that now the entire world could see. And so, you know, what are you going to put out there? What, what's your page going to be about? You know, what, what content are you going to build? And, and, you know, what, what's the audience going to be? And, you know, these were kind of the fundamental marketing 101 types of, 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 of uh, concepts. And honestly, it, it was just so mind-boggling to me that, 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 you know, technology was coming around giving us the ability to, to do that. So I loved every bit of the project. It was so cool, you know, even outside of just the, the, the concepts, but also just digging into these, this new thing called HTML code. And, um, and I really basically at that point said, okay, I'm going to do something with the web in general. And, um, and so I, I kept kind of um, tinkering with things on the side, got into some digital photography, but, you know, kind of fast forward to my first real job, actually, after I graduated from college and I started to work for some manufacturing companies and I was basically in their, their marketing department. And, um, and I was really the only one in these companies that knew anything about these website things. And, um, you know, they basically threw a, a front page license at me and said, go to town. And, and so we, I initially, you know, started to build websites for these different companies and, and that helped, uh, you know, progress things. We started working with some outside, um, you know, internet tech firms and, you know, to kind of expand into some e-commerce and, and some other things, but I just really loved it. And, um, then got to the point where I switched over to the agency side. So I, I did a digital agency for, um, about a year and a half and kind of understood, uh, how to work with clients, how to do you know project management, those kinds of things, uh, and then I got to the point where I recognized that I I loved all of this stuff, but I was also doing a lot of freelance behind the scenes, still building websites for friends and families and small businesses, 
and you know even designing logos and some of those types of things. So I went ahead and, and took the entrepreneurial leap back in 2005 to build my own kind of freelance marketing consultancy slash design shop, and uh, had a whole bunch of freelancers. Uh, you know, at my disposal, and um, and that was great. Did that from about uh, 2005 to 2011 ish. Um, in those later years, I started getting projects that were much more sizable, and um, and got to the point where my my merry band of freelancers started to get uh, hard to manage, especially with large projects. I'd have you know a, a large number of freelancers to throw at a specific project. So I, I did find a group here in town in Kansas City uh, called Brockton Creative Group. They were already a full service shop that already had, you know, they had about 12 to 15 folks at any given time and they were full service and they could do everything. So I started basically any project that was sizable, I would have uh, Brock and his team, uh, who, who is now my co-founder, uh, his team do all of the creative execution and I would do the upfront strategy work, which is what really what I loved. Um, and then anything that started to come through Brock's front door, Brock and Creative Group, they had they would bring me on to do upfront strategy, and then again do all of the execution work. Well, this kind of started springboarding. We we basically merged behind the scenes. Uh, we kept both um, both companies going because that meant two new business pipelines. So you know I still had clients coming in, he still had clients coming in, uh, but we were basically merged behind the scenes and. Kind of fast forward, we did this for a few years, and um, content marketing was really starting to take shape. Um, all of the, the social channels were starting to really you know, pump up the volume. So Facebook was getting popular. Twitter was getting popular. Um, technology in general was getting better. So um, all of the email platforms were getting easier to use. Um, CMS systems really started to take shape. WordPress started blowing up. You know, this was like 2011, 2012. And we, we, we saw this wave coming. We saw that the notion that, that companies, um, no, you know, no matter your size, no matter your industry, they needed to be able to leverage all of this digital technology. And really the, the fuel for all of these things was good content. And, and so we, we basically were shifting our own service offerings internally to not only help build these things, build websites, you know, help implement email marketing, you know, and, and marketing automation platforms, help them get a presence on Facebook, those kinds of things. But we also had to really dig in deep regarding their content strategy and what they wanted to say in these different platforms. And, and the nature of work was changing, you know, instead of just individual projects like a website or an email template or a Facebook page layout, it was now that plus ongoing help to help them feed these new always on channels. And so as that, the, the nature of that work changed, also the nature of the tools that we needed to facilitate the ongoing planning the back and forth, you know, collaborating with between, you know, between our agency team, which had writers and designers, but also the clients themselves and, and all of the back and forth that would have to have to happen in any given day to follow a plan, an editorial schedule or a content calendar, all of these things that now, now are, are, are commonplace that we all, you know, um, you know, have at our disposal and, and we're using all of these things, but this was all brand new. Uh, at the same time, um, you know, uh, institutions like uh, the, content, the Content Marketing Institute, started by Joe Polizzi and Robert Rose, was starting to take shape. They were having their first major um, industry event called Content Marketing World. Uh, but you know, long story short, we got to a point where we recognized that Excel was not built to manage a creative process. 
And a lot of the general tools that we had, like um, general project management systems, Basecamp, um, Asana, um, you know, these, these types of tools were okay to manage projects. But since the nature of work was changing so much, we really needed something different that was more built to manage the day-to-day blocking and tackling of editorial planning, uh, content collaboration, all of the back and forth that has to happen for the, 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 the workflow processes for all these different types of content. So we decided, okay, no one seems to be building anything like this. Let's just build exactly what we need, at least within the agency. And if we build it right, maybe we throw it out to the marketing industry and maybe there's a product market fit there for other marketing teams. And we quickly recognized that that was true. And basically everyone, you know, no matter the size of company was in the same pain or had the same pain related to all of the, the, you know, um, just the, the, the collaboration process, the planning process, it, it wasn't working with existing tools like Excel or, or general project management systems. So we launched in 2011. Um, and um, basically in 2013, we recognized that the agency probably wasn't our future. Um, we, were, we were basically bootstrapping you know, for, for several years. And we finally said, okay, let's go ahead and do this, this SaaS, you know, content marketing platform thing full time. So DivHQ was born and uh, we've been going strong ever since. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I know that. I know the story, you know, and I, I think you and I were talking off mic before, uh, you know, we hit record and that, that content marketing thing that you get used to when you're in this seat and myself, you know, now being in the marketing seat and the workflows and the production and, and all this stuff, you kind of, you kind of don't appreciate until you're there how much work and coordination it is to get a coherent message out. And every person that you add to that, um, you know, adds more yep. work more, and more, more coordination. Yep. And, and in that way, it's really not different than any other operations thing. So what people see in the blog post and the videos and, you know, whatever channel it is, is totally independent of the work it takes to get from, you know, sort of words coming out of mouths or heads into some producible format, all of which are different. Absolutely. You know, and I did not appreciate that until, you know, years ago, I finally figured out like marketing is a real thing. It's not just the four P's from, you know, my business degree. Right? <laughs> and, and that you, you really need this. And, and even if you were to come up with the most important development of product or technology, ever, you know, kind of in your garage or whatever, like, how are you going to get anybody to pay attention and know that? And uh, the strategy necessary to do all those things, that's, it's foreign to the the technical kind of engineering. Yeah, well, and, and, you know, it was really eye opening going from our small boutique agency, you know, who let's say we're managing 20 clients, and, and, you know, just the back and forth that would have to happen in order to get that done, you know, we thought we would, you know, this new product that we were building would be a perfect use case for that. But then we throw it out to the marketing community. And we have uh, almost immediately giant blue chip brands coming out of the woodwork basically saying, thank you for finally building something that is, that is actually tailored to the complexities of this beast of, of, of content. And, and it is so hard. And, and we were completely blown away, especially with many of these large companies who um, are, are you know, blue chip brands that, that everybody would know, Red Bull, H&R Block, McDonald's, 
uh, Dell, you know, all these huge companies that you would assume since, you know, they present themselves so well that, of course, they have their shit together behind the scenes. No. <laughs> they, no, I mean, they're just emailing spreadsheets yes, exactly, around just like everybody else. Exactly. And, and yeah. you know, it, it's it, – it, it, uh, it, it's no longer surprising when, when, you know, a huge brand comes in and they are literally trying to manage themselves and all of their content schedules across regions and business units and everything on spreadsheets. And it's just a mess. So if we can help them get organized, uh, you know, Divi very much basically becomes a hub for all of that planning, all of that coordination. And then they get all of their you know, disparate teams that can be managing all kinds of different things that previously had no visibility to what each other are doing. And certainly the CEO or the C, you know, the chief content officer or CMO, you know, some higher level person has very little, you know, visibility into what all of the different teams are doing. So just giving them that out of the gate was, is, is a, a huge selling point and it really makes the conversation, you know, flow pretty easily. So what did you learn through this process of moving from a you know, services organization, right? Which is how a lot of people sure. start. I mean, it's pretty easy to, it's easy to bootstrap, easier to bootstrap a, a services org, you yeah. know, and, and to move in the product and SaaS direction, everybody first thinks, you know, oh, well, good. I'm going to have recurring MRR, mm -hmm. you know, so that's, that's great. I get paid every month. Um, what have you learned through? you know, that conversion and growth process, um, you know, luckily we all hope that, you know, blue chip brands will start calling and say, thank you for solving my problem. I mean, that's, that's, yes. a, that's, a, that's a good yeah. thing to happen. You know, it doesn't happen to everybody. Let's assume that does happen. Um, talk about that conversion and, and the difference there because the, man, there's so much that's yeah. different between uh, services and product. And I, I think the, the major struggles are the, the actual MRR growth is always slower than you'd like. But the, the market is always moving faster than, you know, almost anybody can keep up with, you know, and, and technology moves so fast. And, and so. And as soon as you build something, it's like yes, irrelevant exactly. or you know, stack choices you made, yeah. and, you know, 90 days ago, you wish yeah, you didn't. And, you know, obviously there's, there's a, a major decision to be made with, with any SaaS company, um, you know, bootstrap versus VC and, you almost, in order to have any, you know, hope of, of success, at least, uh, well, I guess there, there's, there's two scenarios. If you go the VC route, you know, there's now going to be an expectation of what your path needs to be in order for you to be a success. You know, you, you, you take outside money. There's an expectation that you're going to, you know, have, you'll be acquired at some point. Hopefully in the near future. And, and you have to grow, and, by the way, MRR being yeah. monthly recurring revenue. You need to grow that 10x per yes. month. Yes. Uh, that's a normal VC yes. curve. And, you know, so I think people don't appreciate and, that. And if you're if you're not somewhere close to that, then then you know um, who knows what your future is going to hold. Um, and it could be a really long, hard road. But at the same time, you know, if you have the VC backing and you're able to ramp up your dev team, your, your marketing spend, those kinds of things, at least you've got a decent shot at, at um, a good trajectory versus the bootstrap scenario where, you know, it, it, you, you pretty much assume that MRR growth is going to be slower than you'd want. Um, but are you able to keep up with the rest of the market? So if you have, comp you know, if you have competitors, you're bootstrapped, they're, they're VC backed. Like there's going to be a struggle right out of the gate. You're just not going to be as, sure. be able to move as fast unless 
you've got just this product that is, you know, organically just blowing, you know, blowing doors off, which is just, it it doesn't happen very often. But, you know, everybody, as soon as you have a success with any SaaS tool, like the barriers to entry are very low. Yep. To clone, I mean, it's literally a business model to clone an existing product with a better interface, with better now available technology where, you know, when you're the incumbent player, you have to deal with the technical and product debt that that you put in place. And we're not talking long term. We're talking like a yep. year ago. Like every choice you make is an immediate liability, yep. right? Every new so, thing you build has to be maintained. Every yep. new thing, right. And and it's all built upon a foundation that continues to get older and yep. older. So you're, you're building, you're building on top of things that, you know, it's like, well, how do I do my next yep. version? And, and you can see, you know, you mentioned players like a base camp or, you know, what have you, they, they ultimately get to that spot where success is the enemy because you have to do, you know, well, okay, we've got Basecamp Classic and Basecamp yeah. New <laughs> because I needed to start yeah. over, you know, and we're behind yeah. now. Um, and, and they navigated that well. And there are a lot of good, you know, sort of case studies and, and use cases that, that people can look at. But um, all of which takes you from, you know, hey, wow, I just wanted to build a thing, you know, and now I have to run this very complicated, interconnected business. And let's not forget that growth is largely going to be sure you want to, you want to track your revenue there, but what are you really doing? You're growing headcount and headcount is people and hiring people and onboarding people and training people and retaining people. You know, these are all challenges that, you know, really none of us in bootstrap land ever signed up for, you know, and you have to become an expert in that. So you're laughing. I mean, I, I, you've been there, you thought about this, you know, so every day, man, every day. To, to hear some, give me some reflections. Yeah, I mean, on, it, some yeah, so the, the people side, you know, we always said, even on the agency, uh, the agency side, that there's, there's almost some natural inflection points in terms of headcount where you know, we always said that, that like 12 people, as soon as you go over 12 people, um, at least from a, a founding team or, or the executive team standpoint, you 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 start um, spending less time on the business and more time just on people problems, and and so like there's literally a choice that you have to make if you're if you're going to be a, a, a boutique or you know whether you're technology you know startup or or a, uh, a services firm, um, you know almost there's there's a, a line at twelve people that. If you're if you're going on the, the larger side of that line, just get ready and prepare yourself for that reality that you know you're you're going to need to deal with HR stuff pretty much as as your primary responsibility going forward. Uh, or if you can figure out a way to survive at twelve or less, and maybe you use freelancers for a lot of the things you do, and that's actually something that that, that we've you know strategically done, where we literally have twelve people in the office. And then we have the rest of our teams that are, you know, designers and devs and, and you know, UX people and, um, you know, and, and even social people, uh, even on the marketing side, and a lot, a lot of, of freelance copywriters and things that are all just contractors and they do their own thing and we, you know, have specific contracts for them. Uh, and man, if, if we don't have to manage the, the HR responsibilities of all that, it's huge. Um, but you know, if we had all these people in house, we would immediately be over that threshold and have to deal with a lot more of just the, the headaches of, of people, <laughs> not, not to say that people yeah, are what, great, you know, what are those things, right? Because I mean, obviously look, it's, it's in our best interest that people use freelancers, Absolutely. right? You know, that's part of our, part of our business. And, that, and yet I, I know that that's right. 
you know, and what are the things that you can look at a freelancer relationship differently? And, you know, how long are those relationships? They, they probably go Absolutely. on for, for yeah. quite some time. You know, I, I don't think it's people get this idea that it's like, well, I'll just call somebody and they get one job done and they're out. Um, but in fact, that's generally not the case. And they provide, if not a leadership role on the team, they provide an anchor of a particular Absolutely. area. And, they, and you're still onboarding and you're still sort of investing in that person. But then why not make them an employee? There is so much pressure to make someone an employee, uh, why do you not do it then? What What is that determination? Uh, you know, and a lot of it comes down to them, you know, th- and they're on prerogative. And I, I know that, that like your entire listener and customer base, you know, all, all the folks that, that you uh, em- employ, quote unquote, uh, you know, have mm-hmm. their own prerogative of, of maintaining that independence. And, and you know, they, they would love to have a long-term employee-like relationship, but they would rather, you know, lo- be located where they're going to be located. Um, you know, they have their own life there. Um, you know, we've got some guys down in Argentina that we've had for four or five years that have, you know, and the, and most of the domain knowledge regarding our platform actually lies with them, but they're still contractors and we want to make sure we maintain those relationships. We've got a UX guy who lives here in town, um, but he, he likes the variety of taking on a few clients and, you know, not having to be pigeonholed into just one project. Um, but, you know, he's basically everything you see with Divi, he's designed, you know, every bit of the UX, uh, you know, for our platform. So, like, there's these kinds of situations where if, if it's in our mutual best interest, um, you know, we, we, we don't necessarily have to worry about more headcounts, more benefits, the expenses of those things which you know, we would certainly love to have them. Like, the, again, the UX guy here in Kansas City, we, we've asked him to, to join the company multiple times. And he's like, sorry, not interested. Love to keep working with you guys, though. You know, and, and he is, you know, quote, unquote, part of the family. Like, he comes to our, our Christmas party and, and that kind of stuff. But he, he maintains his independence because that's important to him. And do you get concerned at all that, you know, hey, my major institutional knowledge, you know, belongs to people that – I don't own or they're not my employee. Yeah, does that factor well, into the from a, from a legal standpoint, we want to make sure that we've got contracts and, and things in place that, that have those legal, um, you know, uh, what would you call it? The, the legalese are all there so that, that we, we, so we're, we, we do protect yeah. ourselves, ourself, our intellectual property, you know, anything that you produce, you know, as part of our contract, you know, we own those kinds of things. Um, but also, you know, over the years, you build you build up such a, a strong relationship with these people that you know they're uh, hopefully that there's there's not going to be um, you know a, a bad actor that's going to do something nefarious. Um, and, but you know those sure. are those are risks you yeah. have to take. Yeah, and and I always tell people you know the reality is that folks who are your employees like they also leave absolutely you know, they go on and do other <laughs> totally things. And, and that's, that's okay. So is the risk as, as great as, you know, folks would, would think. And I, I would tend to say no, that, you know, that in fact, having great people on your team for whatever duration and in ever, whatever manner you mm-hmm. can retain them, they're still great people. And it's still your team and, and people go through different seasons and, and they come and go and, and there'll be yep. a next time even, you know, as, as you continue to grow the company. So, okay. Um, Give some, you know, some basic education, if you would, on, you know, sort of 
if I'm starting from scratch right now, I know I have a product, maybe I've got a technical team and I want to build some kind of content engine or yeah. machine around that so that, you know, I could just yeah. let people know about it. Um, where do you, where do you go from? Yeah. So, I mean, this, and this kind of goes back to marketing 101, you, you really need to focus in on the audience. Um, and, and, uh, within that specific audience, the, the pain and the challenges that they're having, you know, and, and establish a product market fit. And, and oftentimes, you know, even today, you know, you can leverage content properties to do that, you know, to, to get that feedback and to validate things, maybe even perhaps before you go spend too much time building something. Um, so, you know, maybe you've got an idea for a product. And, you, and so instead of, of actually, you know, putting in all the man hours and resources to get that, you know, maybe an MVP built, you actually create a content property like a podcast or a blog or, Maybe it's a, a Facebook group or a LinkedIn group or something, something that, that allows you to engage with an audience that then helps to validate the idea. You know, maybe it's even something like an ebook that is, is um, you know, uh, built around the concept of the thing you're thinking about building. And you put out, you know, the ebook as part of a Facebook um, campaign, ad campaign or a Twitter ad campaign, and you just test the the engagement with that piece of content and if you get a whole bunch of people saying yes i love it i'm downloading it i loved everything in this ebook that helps to validate whether you actually should go forward and build something you know related to that sure. so like there's a lot yeah. of really cool things that you can do now to test and validate an idea and, a, and and establish a potential product market fit before you go build something and that you know in my opinion you know uh, if I could do it all over again, I mean, we we got lucky in the sense that that we we saw a need, we felt the need inside of the agency, so we built the thing that we needed, and then we threw it out to the rest of the marketing you know world, and and it was validated immediately. You know, we had we had over five hundred companies join our initial beta, which was immediate validation that okay, we're on to something here. Especially when a lot of those companies were big blue chip brands. And you and your your timing was opportunity. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Because you know, I think that's a huge point. The whole content marketing practice was really starting to take shape right then in that time. Because there's a lot of companies that went and tried to solve that sure. problem. Sure. And just didn't get some piece right. Yep. And, and you ate their lunch and uh, God bless you, you know, so, you know but I, I think that it's, it's tempting to, to dog food and say, oh, I solved the problem and other people have this problem. Um, that's true, you know, and yet that's still not product market fit yep. because there are all kinds of macro. Yeah. And, and you, can, you can put out a, a freemium beta scenario and get a whole bunch of people to sign up. But really the true test is once you're done with that beta, do they actually give you money? And, and if, right. if they, if they're not really giving you money or, or the economics aren't working, then, you know, you might be back to the drawing board. I, I'll, I'll wrap this idea for you. And I'll say that all of these things, if they sound terrifying and like you, even if you basically understand the concept, but you have no idea how to put this together, this is why we hire marketing people, folks, <laughs> you know, I, that it, in fact, uh, you know, I did not have this respect early in my, my entrepreneurial career. And I, I quickly learned the error of my ways. So uh, you know, we, we need, we need marketing as much as marketing needs us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we need, we need good stuff to, to market, good stuff to sell. Yeah. Uh, but if it's not solving a specific problem that a, a good chunk of folks are having, then, you know, m maybe we need to reposition or pivot or yeah. Yeah, those kinds of things. Or pivot, yeah. right. Or keep reading your lean startup blogs. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, 
All right. So I got some really important lightning round questions. For sure. You. you ready? All right. Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Wars. What are you reading right now? Uh, oh, gosh. Um, let me let me pull it up real quick. Uh, it's a fantasy genre. Um, audible. Let me see. Um, bear with me here real quick. Um, Brandon Sanderson, The Way of Kings. It's a, Excellent it's a series. Yeah, that's, first that's book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yes, quite good, quite good. Uh, what can't you live without? <sighs> Slack, just to keep up with everybody around around the office. And in uh, um, uh, close second is Giphy. I, I think I saw a Giphy reference on on your website as well. <laughs> no doubt, lots of Giphy, lots of Giphy. <laughs> uh, what's the last thing you googled for work? Yeah, last thing I googled for everybody work. always wants to go and look it up. <laughs> I think it was uh, how to how to build a uh, a better template in HelloSign, uh, like for contracts <laughs> yep. for for contracts. Yeah, yep. we did it. We did some we did some work with HelloSign, and yes, the Hello Works is a neat little tool. Okay, they, well, HelloSign's template builder scenario is not that user friendly. They need some help. Okay. We're going to tag them and let any, them Any know. UX people, <laughs> their experience <laughs> they needs, by, needs work. <laughs> they just got bought by uh, Dropbox, so I bet you're going to oh, see a lot Oh, of good. Stuff, yeah. That's probably a good yeah. thing. Yep, yep. All right, so I don't know if you're a fan of The Office. Oh, yeah. But, uh, classic episode where, where Jim is sending faxes to Dwight from future Dwight. <laughs> and, he's got some of them and he says, the, you know, the coffee is poison. <laughs> like so I like to ask... If I gave you a piece of paper and one of those big, thick black sharpies, and you know you're right now, you are future Brody. Yep. And you can send a fax back to yourself. What do you scrawl on that paper? Ah, uh, geez. Um, I would say, um, do your. Uh, Go for your seed round faster or earlier in the process. Don't bootstrap so long. Don't bootstrap so long. Because I, 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 right. I really feel like we, we bootstrapped longer than we should have. And, um, you know, who knows the, the trajectory we, we would be on today if we would have, you know, even though the, the whole VC route is, is, um, is a slippery slope, um, it, I think we would have been better off uh, if we would have gone down that path sooner. Brody, good to have you on, man. Thanks for the insights. Yeah, Ledge. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Frontier Podcast produced by Gun.io. We're the only freelancing platform where engineers actually go to hire other engineers. If you enjoyed the show and want to learn more about how to hire or freelance with us, head over to Gun.io slash podcast to get in touch and we'll pay for your first 10 hours with a kick-ass engineer. Thanks for listening to the Frontier Podcast, produced by Gun.io. We're the only freelancing platform where engineers actually go to hire other engineers. If you want to learn more about how to hire or freelance with us, head over to Gun.io and get in touch. Let us know you heard the podcast, and we'll pay for your first 10 hours with a kick-ass engineer.